Welcome to the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, John Lawson, Senior Wealth Advisor at Asante Capital Management and Sauna Family Office. We're always looking for ways to educate our client families and be introduced to new clients. At Sauna Family Office, we help business owners and affluent families navigate the complexities of wealth through a variety of wealth management and family enterprise oversight services. So today on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast, we have Lorraine Basha of Shield Health Advocates. It is a rare day when I meet someone who's not thinking about, currently dealing with, or has just been through years of taking care of a loved one, trying to navigate and be an advocate in our healthcare system. The common theme when talking to these people is feeling frustrated and overwhelmed. Because of this, I've searched for a resource for my clients and have been lucky enough to find Lorraine, who lives and works in Surrey. I'll let Lorraine tell her story and just what it is she does. Welcome, Lorraine. And let's get right into it for you. Uh, Everybody wants to know, how did you become a healthcare advocate? Right. Hi, John. I, um, I, my background is nursing. I was a nurse in Dallas, Texas. I lived there for a few years and I worked in one of the biggest hospitals in Dallas. And um, somebody suggested Vancouver, um, you know, go see what it looks like there. It's beautiful. The sun is shining, birds are singing. And so (laughs) we moved to Vancouver, my husband and I, and I started working at VGH. And and through working VJH, I got to understand how the healthcare system works. I also got to understand the different types of healthcare systems, the, you know, the American one and the Canadian one. And a couple of years into it, I was actually diagnosed with colon cancer myself. And at that time I had uh, two little kids and a husband. And um, I started navigating the healthcare system as a patient. I took time off of work and I was surprised, um, confused, and overwhelmed at the things that I expected to find. I expected that when I am discharged from the hospital, there was somebody waiting, you know, at the other end uh, with all the information that I had received, you know, all the instructions that I had received. I thought there was somebody in the community, some healthcare worker, some nurse that would do a follow-up on me to see how I was doing. And, um, that was one of the things I realized was not available. And there were a lot of things that I expected. For example, um, I was given uh, injections. There are blood thinners that I had to give myself for 21 days. I am afraid of needles. And so (laughs) I got my mom to do it. I got my neighbor to do it, but I wouldn't do it. Yes, the nurse is afraid of needles. Um, I don't mind giving them to other people. I just don't put them on me. (laughs) <laughs> but that being said, I I managed to get people to help me get those injections so that I don't have blood clots. Um, and But what I, I started thinking, and as I came up to all these hurdles, is what about the people that don't know? Uh, what about the people that cannot, don't have a friend that who is a nurse that can give them injections? What about the people that uh, don't have a family doctor, so they can't follow up when they're discharged from the hospital. And even when I was receiving chemo and radiation, you know, we would be sitting in groups and 
we, I would be talking to other patients that had cancer like myself. And I started finding that I would be giving them information. You know, they would say, oh, my doctor said this, or I don't know if I should this, do this. And I would say something that came naturally to me as a nurse, you know, something like, oh, you know, it's okay to get a second opinion. You know, it's okay to bring somebody into, um, uh, into, when, into your appointments, you know, so that they can write notes for you because I've experienced the same thing. And, and so through that, I find myself advocating. And so uh, my clients started asking me, um, you know, not my clients then, my, my fellow patients started asking me, do you do this for a living? Are you an advocate? And I said, I'm a nurse. Um, but it got to a point where I got so ill, I needed an advocate. I needed someone to help me navigate the healthcare system. Um, it was too much for me being a mom and trying to care for my kids. And so I went online to try and find someone, anybody, anyone. And I only found two people in BC. One was on the island and one was in North Van. And um, so as soon as I got better, I just thought, you know what, there's a bigger need for this. There are people out there, uh, no matter what your educational background is, you could be a teacher, you could be a lawyer, you could be a mechanic. If you don't understand how the healthcare system works, it's overwhelming. It's frightening. It's um, you get lost in the system. And um, yeah, and so long story short, I became a health advocate and I started my company um, to help people. That's an amazing story. And uh, I was very taken by it when we first uh, chatted. Uh, one of the other things that uh, you had said, and I, I think people will find this interesting because there's a lot of conversation about uh, the difference between the US system and the Canadian system. But when it comes to something like this, um, you had made the comment, the U.S. system is actually a lot better. Yeah, so the U.S. system is better. It is um, still confusing. They still actually have health advocates there. I think it's different um, also because there's a lot of privatization with the U.S. system. And so it is a business. That's why it's better, because there's more money. There's more money in the hospital. There's more money at the staff. There's more money with if equipped with equipment uh, because it's a business. So you're getting the latest of everything coming in because you want more customers, <laughs> patients, sorry, uh, to come in and um yeah, and to come into the business. So I did find that the healthcare system in the US was a lot better. I found that things got done a lot faster. Um, the only problem was that you needed to have really good insurance or you needed to be able to pay for it. Yeah, that's a that's a huge caveat in the US is uh, is the affordability, uh, either through insurance or your own dollars. Uh, right. Um, but the uh, our, our system, uh, not not to slight it, but it lowers the uh, brings us down to the lowest common denominator because uh, it's trying to be equal right across, uh, right. which has its benefits and its good points, but it also uh, creates the issues that we're running into right. with uh, very thinly um, uh, delivered services. Uh, right. So. Yeah. In, in talking about that, you're seeing uh, an increased demand uh, for your services. Um, what are some of the biggest issues that you hear from your clients of why they search you out? A lot of it is, well, the, the system, like you said, it's very fragmented, right? Um, so let's think of a patient and we'll call him Peter. So Peter has a family doctor 
which first of all, Peter is very lucky to have a family doctor <laughs> because we they're very hard to come by nowadays. And then he also has several specialists because he has heart condition. Uh, you know, he has got these chronic illnesses. And then um, he would have maybe a registered dietitian, a physiotherapist, an occupational therapist, and a pharmacist. So he has all these people taking care of him. So Peter is in a good place because most of us don't have that. Um, but the, what happens is they are not talking to each other. And so we have Peter who has been discharged from the hospital because you know he has bowel issues. And so that's why he has the dietitian and the pharmacist. But once he has been discharged, uh, the people in the community, his GP, uh, the pharmacist, the, the, the occupational therapist, anybody, they're not aware that he has been in the hospital. So they're not getting the information that Peter's, um, Peter's been in the hospital. And so he's not getting the care he needs when he gets into the community. And so um, I'm finding, to answer your question, that's happening a lot, is that uh, these specialists are not speaking to each other, um, and they're also not speaking to the patient. And so, you know, the hospital has the information that I was in the hospital and this is the care that I received. My GP does not have that information. Um, and so when I go and see my GP and say, have a follow-up appointment with him, he has no idea what I'm talking about, or he has very little information about what's happening. And, and so what, what ends up happening is we start sending Peter all over the place, call your GP and get the information that I need, and then call your specialist and also get the information that I, you know, and so people don't, have time for that. Uh, people don't have the literacy for that. Uh, people are very overwhelmed by um, all of it. Right now, I'm just trying to stay alive and trying to not, you know, to deal with the pain and trying to, like me, deal with two small little children. And now you want me to call up and follow up on all these appointments. I'm not able to do it. And so that's when I'm coming in a lot. Um, so that's that's mainly the issue. What then happens is we have family members coming in as those caregivers, as those people that are making the phone calls, attending those meetings, trying to piece these puzzles together, and they're taking time off of work. So there are a lot of people that are now it's causing issues at their workplaces, and so they they keep you know, asking for days off, using up all their sick time so that they can take mom, dad, their sister, their cousin uh, to the doctors or attend those. those. And so that's when I'm, I find that people are calling me a lot for, um, and then there are people that just want privacy. So we have elderly patients, no dementia, no anything, maybe just physically, they're just not well, but they don't want to burden their family. They don't want to be talking about, you know, dad's bowels at Sunday brunch. Instead, they have Lorraine and Lorraine will come in, uh, take care of everything medical but on Sunday they're not talking about that they're talking about the grandkids and the baseball game and you know fishing and that sort of thing so it's all different things there isn't just the one thing but the main thing is is that navigation piece it's just overwhelming and um they've tried to do it on their own most people that call me it's the, it's the last resort they have tried to do it on their own and it's just impossible yeah so i i said in my opening that uh when i i deal a lot with this with clients and even just people uh, uh that i know friends um the 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 two biggest things are frustration 
uh, and being overwhelmed. Uh, and and I love your point about uh, at the uh, Sunday dinners or brunch or just that that family time instead of focusing on the, the troubles at hand, uh, they get to spend the time um, doing what they really should be. And that's enjoying each other and, uh, and enjoying the family because the stress part is, is not all taken away um, because there's still illness, but it's, it's really, really important to take that burden off uh, mm-hmm. their shoulders and it, it helps with quality of life. So really appreciate what, uh, uh, what you're saying there. Um, so when you are dealing with your clients, you did touch on this a little bit, but give uh, a, a couple examples of, of what you do, what you can do in terms of, I know you've talked about attending uh, appointments, et cetera. Um, maybe expand on that a little. So I do, just to, uh, to begin with, I do anything as small as um, looking at your bottle of medications and saying, this is how you take your medications and you probably haven't been taking them the same way. Or um, making saying, you know what, probably these two medications don't go together anymore. Because what happens is you'll see this doctor and this doctor, but you they didn't tell you to stop taking the medications. And so you take them all at the same time. And so I've been brought in just to look at, you know, dad's medication because he has about 60 bottles that need to go through um, to uh, to the extreme of managing somebody's health completely. Um, I have clients that their families are abroad. And so I take care of anything medical related. And that means trying to find a wheelchair, uh, getting this person a pharmacy, finding them a GP, uh, being uh, attending hospital meetings, that sort of thing. So I can be involved as little or as much as I needed to be. So the in-between, like you mentioned, is the appointments. So for example, I will attend a doctor's appointment with a person. And that doesn't mean I get there, I wait out the door, outside the door, and you you talk to your doctor. No, I go in in there and I sit with you next to you in the appointment with the client and I translate medical jargon. I write notes. Sometimes the family would have asked uh, to me to ask the doctor some questions or the client would have asked me to ask the doctor questions. I ask those questions. And what we find is what happens is usually the doctor these days, it's 15 minutes, right? And it's 15 minutes. Tell me the one thing that's the problem and let's resolve it and then come back and we'll make another appointment. What I find is when we go prepared and everything is set, you can actually have four or five six things done in that 15 minute appointment. Um, A lot of people have white coat syndrome and that's where there's just a fear of doctors or doctors are gods and you do not question what the doctor says. And so um, I find that if they have that other person there, you know, listening in, uh, writing questions, answering questions, it helps. But then some people will also ask me in that appointment, I don't want to offend the doctor. A lot of seniors, again, you know, the doctor's always right. What I've learned is that, which I thought was going to be an issue even when I started my business, is that the doctors are relieved 
they say, oh, finally, somebody who can understand what we're saying, somebody who can <laughs> who can translate what we're, we've been trying to say, um, because sometimes the doctors can't translate that jargon into just basic, you know, basic English. And um, so I find that I've started, I have a better relationship too with the doctors as uh as we go in, but it's also a lot of trying to convince the family that it's okay. You know that you, you, we're not there as as an as as adversaries. We're there, you know, to to so that you're, you're you the doctor wants you to be okay, and I want you to be okay, and you want you to be okay, and so we're going to work together as a team to make sure that you're healthy. Um, so that's one of the things is the appointment uh, in with the doctor's office. I also attend hospital bedside meetings. Um, when what I mean by that is, there are usually uh, there's a team in the hospital where you would have maybe a social worker, the nurses, the doctors, um, any other staff that is taking care of your health. It's not just one person, the dietitian, physiotherapist, and they would normally have a meeting with you or the family to discuss what happens to you while you're in the hospital or when you're being discharged. I attend those meetings because families also find it helpful. That's even more overwhelming. It was bad enough with just the doctor in the office. And now there are six people in here um, all giving suggestions of what they think is best for my health. And so I attend those meetings because now I've discussed with the client. I know what the client's wishes are and I can convey those. So when they say, oh, he would like ABC, I say, no, actually, this is what he's trying to say. And the meetings are a lot more productive. Um, generally speaking, everybody's a lot happier. Um, but sometimes I do advocate and I, you know, I have to step into that role where maybe somebody's being discharged too early. You know, I can speak up and say, no, they're actually not feeling well um, or they don't have grab bars at home. So it's not safe for us to send them home. Um, you know, so I also the other thing then in terms of that is sometimes people are not going back home. They're going into care homes uh, because they become so ill. And so I help with that transition, finding them care homes you know, um, that are not, you know, 50 miles away from where you live, where your family lives, but we can try and, um, and, and get you into a place that is closer to your family that you're happy with. And so it's very varying degrees of, uh, of my services that I do. I, um, like I said, I mentioned the, the medications, checking to make sure that they're, uh, there's no, it's called polypharmacy where you're taking different medications that you don't necessarily need to take. Um, keep going. No, no that, that's, it's the, uh, and this, this happened when I uh, first uh, chatted with you too, is that um, I, it's amazing how much there is to do. And it's no wonder uh, people get overwhelmed. And so uh, a few points that uh, pick up just how many people have out of date medications uh, in, uh, in, in their covered nuts. That's how they end up having 60 different bottles. They keep it just in case uh, they, uh, uh, and then they start taking it again because they've forgotten whether or not they should, or right. uh, it gets into the mix. Right. Um, the other parallel with what we do, uh, which really struck me, is that when you're walking, uh, working with the doctors, um, you're really educating the clients before, during, and after uh, that process. And I can see how much the doctors would appreciate that. 
because again, to your point, it, it makes it much more efficient for them. Right. And that's exactly what we do when, when we're doing our planning. Uh, I'll, I'll use estate planning, for example, uh, with lots of people when they go in, they, they first of all, they're terrified about uh, uh, booking an appointment with a lawyer because they don't want to deal with their own demise. Right. Um, but when they finally go out and, and make that appointment, they book it, they sit down in front of the lawyer and there's just so many answers they have to have. And there's these uh, this jargon that they're they're not understanding. And sometimes lawyers can be good at, at explaining it, but it all takes time. And then the client has to go away think about all this and get back to the lawyer. And right. what I hear from a lot of the lawyers is that often they never see them again. Right. Or if they do, it's uh, a, a year, two years or more down the road. And then the momentum has stopped. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, they they have to go back to square one or almost to uh, get the process right. going. So I can really relate to that in in that it's it's a team the uh, a team approach you the doctor the patient um, that's that's of huge value. You had said you'd do as little uh, from from very small to uh, very big jobs for clients, and uh, so maybe talk a little bit about uh, one time versus if it's an ongoing uh, contract. So, um, for example, the, the the prescriptions I was talking about, um, it's it's an hourly rate, generally speaking, uh, because a lot of stuff isn't hourly, like going into someone's home, you know, assessing how they live, the safety of their home. That's an hourly rate. Um, it's usually a minimum of two hours. It, most people think, don't realize how much that there's a need in their space or in their home until I start unearthing it or start asking questions and they start to open up. And um, so they'll say, oh, just come in for an hour and, you know, five hours later we're there. So it could be, uh, it's as little as an hourly rate, but um, I also have those families that I'm completely, I'm their case manager, I'm their care manager. And that is more of a monthly rate. What we do is we put in a care plan and say, okay, you need me. These are the needs that you have. So you would need, for example, doctor's appointments, uh, you know, get you equipment, hire caregivers, which is something I do and that sort of thing. And so that one, we, uh, we would look at it, uh, set up a care plan. And, um, and then we have like a, a, a rate, a monthly rate that we would, an ongoing monthly rate that we would have. I can really see that. And again, thinking about, um, um, our clients, where we have children that don't live in town, uh, they're not close to their uh, parents um, physically. So it's just very, very difficult for them. So having somebody like you there as a trusted uh, uh, advisor, know that their parents are taken care of is massive. Um, so let's maybe touch on that a little bit is uh, I, I did say that you uh, live and work in Surrey, um, but uh, do you provide your services on a, on, a, on a wider geographical scope? 
So I'm mostly in Surrey, um, but it's pretty much all over the lower mainland. So I do go out to Chilliwack. I've gone out to Abbotsford, uh, West Vancouver, North Vancouver. I'm still to go to Whistler. Anybody out there <laughs> with <Yeah>. the condo? <laughs> um, but I even have clients on the island. Uh, I haven't had to physically go there, but uh, a lot of Zoom with clients on um, on the island. So pretty much British Columbia because the healthcare system is generally the same. Is there an association of healthcare advocates? They're trying to form one. Um, it's a, it's a growing, it's newer. It's, I don't think it's barely even 15 years old, this industry, including the U S as well. And wow. so, um, yeah, so we're getting there right now. I think there's from when I started in about five years ago, to now, I think we're there now at least about 10 or 15 of us. Uh, it's bigger in Ontario than it is here in BC. And so there is an association that has been formed. It's not, um, what's the word? It's not yet accredited. Right. Right, right. So it is in the works. Um, yes. So generally, I think what I can even touch on a little bit about that is that health advocates, most of them have some sort of medical background. Yeah. that are in this industry, the, the ones that have been there either have been doctors, nurses, pharmacists, but they've, you know, they've have something in there. There are the others that have advocated for so many family members that they understand how the healthcare system works uh, even a lot better than some nurses. And um, yeah, so it's not quite, it's not quite regulated um, as yet, but we're getting there. Wonderful. Good. Thank you. That's good to know. And so uh, just to wrap up, uh, I, I know just from personal experience, uh, from uh, talking with clients, this is a service that is greatly sought after. Uh, so if people want to reach out to you uh, and uh, get to know more, how do they find you? Definitely. Um, I have a website and it's www.shieldhealthadvocates.com. I'm also on Facebook and uh, you can also reach me. Uh, my phone number is 778-828-0430. Wonderful. Lorraine, thank you so much. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time and uh, educating uh, our audience and uh, uh, first and foremost, <laughs> educating myself on this subject. Uh, thanks again. Love having you here. Thank you, John. It was great. A big thank you again to Lorraine for being our guest here on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast and sharing her story. If you'd like to reach out to Lorraine, you can email her at Lorraine at shieldhealthadvocates.com or go to her website, www.shieldhealthadvocates.com. Our next planned podcast is to talk to a recruiter to look at the ins and outs of using their talent search service for small and medium-sized businesses. Ultimately, our goal is to educate and engage you, our audience, if you have any topics you would like us to dive deeper into, please let us know. And if you could take a moment to post a review, it would be much appreciated. If you would like to access other videos, podcasts, or articles we have done, visit us at saunafamilyoffice.com. And for those of you who don't know the origin of the name Sauna Family Office, it stems from the meaning of Asante, which is Swahili for thank you. However, the most commonly spoken phrase in Swahili regarding Asante is Asante Sana, which means thank you very much.
This name represents the gratitude towards all the families and business owners who have chosen our team as their trusted advisory council. Until next time, Asante Sana. Hi, I'm Trevor Beggs from Sana Family Office, and thanks for listening to John Lawson and the Wealth Wisdom Podcast. Here are the necessary disclosures. Asante Capital Management is a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. This material is provided for general information and is subject to change without notice. Every effort has been made to compile this material from reliable sources. However, no warranty can be made as to its accuracy or completeness. Before acting on any of the above, please make sure to see a professional advisor for individual financial advice based on your personal circumstances. The opinions expressed here are not necessarily those of Asante Capital Management. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Wealth Wisdom Podcast.